Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Overpowering Emotions. I'm talking all about anxiety, but we're in the summer series talking about emotion regulation. Today, I'm talking specifically about modeling our own vulnerability and being able to cope effectively, especially the coping piece, because oftentimes us as parents and adults, we say things like, oh man, I've had a rough day. I'm going to have a glass of wine. I'm having a rough day. I'm going to go chill in front of Netflix, right? And those aren't great coping strategies. So we've got to be really careful. So last week I talked all about managing our stress, which is super important. We got to be effective co-regulators and there's some important things that we could be doing to be strong role models. So managing our stress. Yes. We have to be those effective co-regulators if we're ever going to expect our kiddos to be able to regulate their own emotions. But we also have to be really strong role models to be able to help our kiddos build their emotional literacy, build their coping skills and build their managing of, you know, their ability to manage their emotions. And that often comes from us and being able to model our own things. So yes, we got to manage our own stress that affects our perception of our kids, right. And how we interact with our kids. It, it affects everything. It affects the whole house usually when we're stressed. So it's really easy to fall into the trap of perceiving our kids as being a problem. If we're already stressed or if we're not having enough time, uh, time to sleep, right? If we're not getting enough sleep or if we're hungry, hangry, we see them as more willful. And so their behaviors start to stress us out and we're less likely to show them empathy, for example, right? We're not as patient for them. And then that's stressing them out even more so because they already have trouble regulating their stress. And if they're a teenager, it's even more because when they experience stress, the chemicals that come out into our brain to help us manage the stress actually increases in theirs. So that just makes it double whammy for our teenagers. And so again, if we're stressing them out, that's going to lead to more behaviors and that's going to lead to our stress and how we perceive our kids as being willful. Right. And so we create this sort of vicious cycle. We want to make sure that we're getting out of that. So it's a little secret here, just so you know, you know, it's back to this back and forth, this mix of parent stress, how we perceive our kiddos. That's the the strongest predictor of ODD, oppositional defiance disorder, is our stress and how we perceive our kiddos' behaviors. If we see them as stressful, we interact differently with our kids. That is the greatest predictor of ODD. So I think that's really important for us to think about. So when they are stressed, we get stressed, which stresses them out even more, which stresses us out more too, right? So it's that vicious cycle back and forth and back and forth. So that's why how we respond to our kiddos makes all the difference in the world. And that's why I'm spending so much time just on the adult skill building piece. Because if we're getting angry, if we are lecturing, if we're punishing, if we're commanding, we're just going to contribute to that stress. We're going to contribute to their behaviors. And oftentimes we start shaping these behaviors to get worse and worse. So their brain can't tell the difference. I talk about this all the time, right? Their brain cannot tell the difference between I'm stressed or I'm being attacked by a tiger. I'm, I'm in danger, right? So stress from our parents yelling at me, or I'm actually in danger. It's going to affect the brain. It's going to affect the body and all the physiological symptoms just as much. There's still an impending threat, even if it's just our parents breathing down our neck about chores, right? And so that's going to result in the stress response, no matter what our brain can't tell the difference. And then usually it's aggressive, right? If we think we're being attacked, if I see a cougar, I'm always telling my girls big, ah, aggressive, loud, right? That's what we do. That's what we do when we're angry or not angry. Sorry. When we're scared, it's the angry response. So for example, commanding our kiddos, directing, I always say there's no place for a director. There's only one place for a director on a movie set. 
That's the person, that's the only person who should be telling people how they should be feeling, where they should be, who they should talk to, how they should respond, right? We got to get them thinking. So instead of telling and directing and commanding, get them thinking, what's next? What else do you need? Visual supports can be super helpful. So it's really about creating safety. So again, we need to for sure avoid passing our own stress onto our kids. You've heard me say this over and over. Okay, so that's why we're learning the co-regulation skills. That's why we're managing our own emotional control. When, when we're also the strong models, and that's kind of what I'm talking about, the things that we can be talking about today, what we're modeling, we're talking about our own emotions. So we are demonstrating that emotional literacy. Ah, oh, I'm so frustrated. Oh man, I'm so disappointed. It's so sad, right? We're modeling, we're, we're putting words to those emotions. Not a leave me alone, nothing's wrong, slamming computers, slamming doors, right? It's putting words to our emotions. That's what's building emotional literacy. And so we are modeling about that. We're feeling them, we're talking about them and, and we're accepting them. We're not trying to push them away or drown them out with the beer, right? We're actually feeling them. Oh, I can feel it in my chest. That sadness is so strong. We're accepting them, feeling them, expressing those emotions. We're modeling our vulnerability to show them we also feel these feelings because oftentimes kids feel like, what's wrong with me? I'm the only one, right? So no, I feel these too. Actually, it's just the other day. I was kind of sad when she's like, mommy, do you ever get scared? I'm like, dude, I get scared all the time. She's like, you just, you just don't seem scared. Like you're, we were actually at a presentation. I was just about to go in front of a huge auditorium of people and she, she sometimes comes with me and she's like, look at all these people. Oh my gosh. It's so scary. Aren't you scared? I'm like, yeah, I get scared all the time. Well, you're not scared now. I'm like, dude, I'm totally scared. Look at all these people. I've never met them before. Right. I don't know how it's going to be, but, and I feel that I can feel it in my throat and you'll be able to hear when I get up and talk, you'll be able to hear. I won't be able to catch my breath very well. Right. Because when we get nervous, we start breathing faster. And so it's harder to catch our breath. And I said, you'll probably notice and you pay attention when you can hear a difference in my, my voice and the breathiness in my voice. And when I settle down, you'll know when my amygdala has realized, okay, she's got this because anxiety is, I can't, I, I, I can't handle it. And so then we avoid, right. But you'll see, I am anxious. I go up there, even though I'm feeling anxious and I don't know how it's going to be. And it looks like a bunch of grumpy parents, right? I don't know how it's going to be you pay attention. And she totally did. So she can see, yeah, I am, but, but, but we don't talk about it. So even if I'm feeling that way, had she never asked me the question, she probably would never would have noticed those differences. She just would have assumed that I went up and was totally fearless. Right. So being able to show them, yeah, I am feeling this and I can feel it. And you pay attention to me. And this is how I'm going to cope with it. So when we look at the acceptance piece, we're changing our response to our feelings. So we might even look forward to our feelings. Yes, I'm feeling angry right now. This is a great opportunity, just like I was talking about last time, right? Great opportunity for me to co-regulate. Great opportunity for me to use my emotion regulation skills. Great opportunity for me to be a great role model right now and help you build your emotional literacy as well. Everything we feel, it's normal. It's healthy. We have zero control over it. And we need to show that to our children. We are all humans. We all feel anger and frustration and worries and sadness and disappointment, the good, the bad, the ugly. They need to hear all of that. Our emotions are so valuable. 
first of all, they're valuable for us because it's giving us a lot of information about what's important to us. If I wasn't scared going up, doing a presentation, then I would say, you know, obviously that work isn't very important to me. So because we're nervous, it is important. I want to do a good job. I want to be able to share information. So that makes sense. It makes sense if you're angry because you're working on, you know, this project and your brother came along and ripped it up and you're angry. Of course, you're feeling angry. That was important to you. If it wasn't important to you, you wouldn't feel anything. You'd be like, okay, whatever. Chuck it in the garbage if you want. So our emotions tell us what's important to us. They're very valuable. And so if we get angry, we can talk about it right? Wow. I am really feeling angry. This must be really important to me or really important to you. I can see how important this is to you. So we can talk about that instead of saying, you shouldn't be punching your brother. I get that you're mad, but you shouldn't be punching your brother. That's not helpful. That's dismissing their feelings, dismissing. They're going to hold on to their fight. They're going to feel minimized, right? So being able to talk all of these things, of course you feel that way. That's really important to you. We can validate. And for us, it helps us understand what's going on here, right? We're going back. We're not being reactive downhill, seeing what the outcome is. We're going to go uphill. Where, what is, where is this all starting from? That's what we need to do. So showing our feelings is really important. Being vulnerable is really important, right? We don't want to send the wrong message. We're always stoic. Why can't you be like me? I can handle everything. That's just not true. Right. And, 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 and while maybe we are stoic, maybe you are a parent, you're never feeling any of these feelings. So even if you are totally stoic, you never feel fear or anger or anxiety. Maybe you can just say, wow, that was a really frustrating ride. Maybe you can look for opportunities maybe where there are. Right. So it's really important. We have to acknowledge the importance, you know, of kiddos being able to see our vulnerability so that they can see we all have wonky thoughts. We all have these feelings. That's so important. That normalization piece is so important because kids won't necessarily talk to other kids. So they really feel all alone. Like there's something wrong with them. They're the only ones in the universe who, who feel this way. Right. And so if, if we're not allowing our feelings or showing them to others, you know, that's going to be a problem. It's usually fear. It's our own avoidance that's getting in the way. And I think that we, we got to make sure that we're not avoiding. So really checking our own beliefs, checking our own attitudes about feelings is really important to make sure we aren't blocking them, that we aren't avoiding, that we're modeling avoidance. That's really bad, right? So, so think about, do you feel like you always have to control your feelings, that you have to be in control? Do you think sharing your feelings sharing how, you know, stressors with other people. Do you think that that's a burden? Do you think that's a sign of weakness? Do you think others will think that you're weak if you've got feelings? Do you think you should be stronger? Those shoulds and must, we should all over ourselves, right? It's or the must all over ourselves. Do you think you must have to cope on your own that nobody can know? Do you think other people just don't understand? Do you think you're the only person in the world who, who, who believes that, or, you know, has this stressor. So we got to look at those things. What is it that's keeping us back? Is it our own fear? Is it our own beliefs, right? That we shouldn't be showing these feelings. That's really important. So we got to address that first. 
why, why aren't we showing these? Maybe it's, we have a fear that kids shouldn't see their kid, their parents upset. Maybe they, they're worried about attachment. So we got to look at those beliefs. It's very important for our kiddos to see us be vulnerable and how we cope with it. Now, in a developmentally appropriate way, we don't have to go into the nitty gritty details and adult stuff that we're now, you know, putting our worries onto them. That's not it. I'm feeling frustrated. This is where I feel it. And this is what I'm going to do about it. This is how I'm going to cope with it or just accept. I'm just going to sit here with it. Right. So you can see, you know, the effect that suppressing our feelings, that's bad for us because we become these little pressure cookers. Same thing with our kids. They become these little pressure cookers. Just those feelings build up and build up. So it has a really negative effect on us and it affects our kiddos and it affects our interactions with our kiddos. So we get into these, like I, I do the crazy eight, we get into this infinity loop of how we interact over and over and over and over. We got to get out of that interaction, right? So, so what if you're sending that message that I don't have any feelings, right? What happens if they never see you show any feelings other than anger? It's just frustration. And, and usually it's at them, right? <laughs> at them all the time. So what message is that saying? So we got to make sure we're checking and managing some of those thinking traps. I talk a lot about henchmen, the henchmen, the committee members that for our kiddos, perfectionist Pete, lonely Luke, self-critical Sam, you know, those are all the things that for us too, for adults, we, we can consider them as thinking traps, but I still like thinking of the committee members because then it's like, dude, self-critical Sam, you don't need to show up today, right? Stop being, being such a bully and telling me I'm such a failure all the time. So being able to identify those and manage them. And so being able, I talk a lot about externalizing that anxiety, give it a name, and then all the henchmen, all the committee members that come along with it, right? Catastrophizing Carl and whoever else. But we have it too. We have an amygdala as well. And we've got committee members as well. So being able to, when it comes up, showing and sharing our feelings and all the henchmen that are working together to try to take control of our brain, emotional control board in there, just like in the movie Inside Out, right? We're going to be doing that, showing and sharing all of those feelings. That's so important for us being able to process and talk about it, but definitely our kiddos' emotional well-being as well. If they never see how we're managing our feelings, they're never going to learn how to, to manage their own. They're never going to learn to put words to how they're feeling, that emotional literacy. So like I said, it was just so sad when my daughter, and that's why I'm like, I really got to throw this in, this skill building, when she asked me if I ever felt scared, right? Because if she's never seen me scared, I'm sure she has just in that moment, I just didn't look it. So that was just a huge eye opener for me. And I just really wanted to make sure we talk about that because- we are such huge role models for our children. We know that anxiety in children, the number one predictor is anxiety in parents. And yes, there's a genetic piece, but it's really mostly the environment, us modeling our anxious behaviors and poor coping skills, poor emotion regulation skills. And we don't want to stuff them in either because that's just as bad. Internalizers are just as bad as the externalizers. She does know I'm stressed. That's an open conversation daily, right? But some of these other, these other emotions, how little we, we actually do share about the heartache and the disappointment and the fear and the anguish and the anger. So, you know, even recently, actually, just the anger piece, um, I stood up to a woman, we went to a dog park, and there was this woman who was essentially bullying this man. He was, he was quite timid and, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, you know, it was just, he, she was being very mean. And so I came over, I saw, and he's just, 
trying to apologize and she's just at him. And I came and stood up and told this lady off. Essentially, I didn't swear or anything, but I put her in her place and my girls ran off to tell on me. They ran to daddy, right? They were so shocked. They'd never seen me get angry with someone before because they're always like, oh, you know, sorry that you stepped on my foot. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have put my foot there. Like I'm that kind of person, right? Like, sorry, sorry, sorry. Apologies. I, sh- I was in your way. I deserved you pushing me out of the way, right? Like I'm usually like that. That's how they see me. So they've never seen me angry and assertive standing up to someone. I'm like, oh girls, that's really sad that you haven't seen me do that. Just, but you know, to be fair, I usually do back off and all of those kinds of things, but it's an eye opener. That was just a side of me. They, they had never seen seen before. So our kids do need to see these things. Yes, I can be assertive. I can stand up for myself when it's that important. When I see that happening, that is something absolutely I'm going to step up, you know, step up. But for this thing over here, no, like I'm not going to scream at you. If you take my parking spot, that's not the kind of person I am. Right. So just things to think about. So we really got to look for lots of opportunities where we can show and talk about and share our emotional experiences with kiddos. So that's great role modeling for them. It's great as a parent. And actually, you know what, when we're doing these sharing times, it's a fantastic opportunity and we're connecting, we're strengthening our relationship. So there's a whole whack of goodness going around when we're able to share that vulnerability in an appropriate way. And we're creating this environment that kiddos are learning. It's healthy to have emotions. We have to have emotions. We're human. We're going to have emotions and we're creating an environment where we want to express our emotions. That's healthy. That's how we manage it. So if you think about it, if you're a parent, instead of bottling up your feelings or letting them come out in outrage and frustration at your children or nothing, I'm fine. Just whatever. Or suffering, you know, through a bottle of wine, whatever it is. What can you do differently? Instead of doing those, I'm always saying, what could you do differently? What's the opposite of how you would normally react? How can we get out of this loop of interacting, right? If we're suppressing them and coldly saying nothing, when our kids say what's wrong, that's not helpful. Acting out in anger, that's not helpful. We really need to think about the effects that our responses have on our our emotions, but also our interactions in our kids. I think that's really important because what's the toll, right? What's the toll that we need to pay that our children need to pay because of our own stress and our our own anger? What's the toll in our relationship when we do that? And think about how you want things to be. Is this how you want to model for your kiddos? Anger and frustration and lashing out? So again, it's just about doing the opposite. What could we be doing differently? A key piece of building resiliency and building this emotion regulation is allowing the tears to come. It's okay for our kids to see us crying, right? So fully feeling, fully accepting whatever those feelings are that come up and even anger. And it can build such amazing compassion and empathy. Even like I am a bit of a crybaby when it comes to even commercials, my girls be like, is mom crying or a sad movie? Is mom crying? And then if I do, oh, mommy, right? They're so showing so much compassion, compassion that I never, ever see any other time, right? So we're helping them build those skills too, which I think is really important. So it's just being able to sit there with that and not try, like I never give people Kleenex if I see them crying because I'm essentially sending the message, like wipe your tears away, stop crying. Don't worry about it. It's not a big deal, right? Cheer up. No, we got to feel those feelings. Let them run. Let your nose run. Let it get messy or anger, but just how we're directing that anger. 
feeling the feels is so, so important for us too. just building our own emotion tolerance. That's really what we're doing is building emotional tolerance. We can't get rid of stress. We can't get rid of anxiety. We can't get rid of anger. They're going to come up. So it's our ability to be able to tolerate them. Right. And showing that vulnerability, how we manage it effectively. It's so important for our kids. So hopefully you're hearing that message. Being really angry and being really frustrated and still using my words. I am so frustrated right now. I feel like I want to smash my computer. Being able to, that's okay. We're still using our words in a really calm voice, right? Rather than punching somebody out and screaming at somebody, right? That is so powerful. I'm so angry, but I'm using my words. It's all about how, what we do with it and how we respond to that. Right. So instead of lashing out, burying, avoiding, whatever it is, what would happen if we sat with them, allowed them to come and talk about them? Right. So that's truly the best thing that we can do for our own selves when we're looking at emotion regulation. But again, modeling for our children. That's what this whole episode's about. And the greatest success in managing stress, anxiety, depression, whatever it is, is our willingness to feel them. And I'm always talking about, you know, the best recovery for things like anxiety is our willingness. It's directly related to our willingness to feel them. Even with anxiety, we know recovery happens where we're, we're, we're successfully managing anxiety when we're not worried about anxiety anymore. We're not worried about worrying anymore. We're not worried about the feelings that come up with anxiety anymore right? So anxiety, because that's what I'm sort of talking about. I mean, really I'm talking about all emotion regulation, but with worries and anxiety, it becomes a disorder when we never learn to manage it because we become so completely consumed and overwhelmed by it. And that's a problem, right? And then we tend to act on it maladaptive ways, drinking, avoiding, whatever it is. So it's that distress tolerance that we're building. And the only way to do that is to embrace those uncomfortable feelings, right? And share them with others and show them with others. Seeking support. That's a great thing. I'm really frustrated. I'm really having a hard time. I need to go. I'm going to go ask for help or whatever it is, right? Talking about how we're feeling. Being open. That's such a great way, right? When we're able to talk, we can start processing our emotions. And that's so helpful. Just being able to talk. Right. And again, we're modeling our effective coping for kiddos. Um, Mr. Rogers said anything that's human is mentionable and anything that's mentionable can be more manageable. So if it's mentionable, it's manageable. When we name it, we can tame it. We can talk about our feelings. Then they're less overwhelming. They're less upsetting. They're less scary. Right. So being able to recognize, to remember, to talk about, to honor those feelings is so important. And if we can name it, we can tame it, it becomes manageable. So looking at how can you honor your losses and failures in life? What have you learned? How have you grown? How have you become a better person? So all, all this emotional pain, yes, it's very hard work, but it's really important work for you and your kids. So once we can acknowledge and feel and accept and talk about our emotions, and, and one of the big complaints that I hear about teenagers is they just bottle in, they never talk. Well, how much have you talked in their childhood until now? How much are you talking about feelings, right? Once we can do that, we can start to focus on the coping skills and being able to manage them effectively, right? What we do with the emotions is hugely influential with our children, and so that's what we need to focus on as well. So the first piece is building the emotional literacy, talking about my feelings, where I feel it in the body. And then the next piece is what do we do with that? If you're zoning out on Netflix, that's not helpful. 
right? Especially if you've already got a kiddo who just wants to come home and chill in front of YouTube or the iPad because they need a break, right? Um, if we're feeling sorry for ourselves, you know, like I said, maybe we numb out with a bottle of wine, also not helpful. So the first step, of course, is always rec recognizing our feelings, but our unhelpful behaviors, our unhelpful coping strategies, seeking and receiving help. That's a huge, major, major area that for adults, I find that we just don't get enough of, and we really don't show enough of it either. Our kids absolutely need to see that it's okay. And it's important to ask for help. And it's usually, we, we are actually the family, you know, my husband and I, we have friends, but nobody that we ever hang out with regularly. No one that we would say are like, you know, we were kind of homebodies. Let's just say that, but there will be people we haven't seen in years. We're kind of the safe haven. And I think my, it's been really powerful for my girls. We've always been the family where friends, if, um, they're, they're just down and out and they need a place to stay, they can always come to us. If they need help, we are the people that they usually come to. And I think that that's been so powerful for our children to see, wow, adults, have a hard time too. And, and they do come and seek help. And I think that that can be really powerful too. A lot of our kiddos don't see their parents engaging in self-care, which is also very important. And maybe you do, maybe you're really good in self-care or if you're working with clients, maybe you're really good at getting them to have self-care, but, but are our parents explicitly saying I'm doing this for my own self-care? That's really important. Breathing. I always say it's not an anxiety strategy, but being able to breathe proactively, regularly, that's really important. My girls actually see me every single morning. I work out and I meditate every single morning. And so they know how critical it is for me to do that for the, the emotional well-being piece. And they know, mom, have you worked out yet today? No, I haven't. They know right away if I haven't worked out and done my meditation. So e even on the weekends, if I haven't, they're like, mom, go work out. <laughs> weekends, it's hit and miss, right? Every other morning, for sure. Weekends, I get caught up in other things. Mom, go work out because they know how important it is. They order me to go do those things because I'm more likely to be a crab, right? And I'm more likely to snap at them if I don't do those things. We also need to remember that our big emotions, they hold a lot of energy. How can we use that emotional energy in healing ways? Exercise, obviously, our body's primed up, especially if we're feeling stressed. We've got all that adrenaline, all of that energy running in our body. So exercise, of course, is a huge one that we can work on. Um, creating, I always saying doing something creative is the basis of all happiness and contentment. It's a great way to spend up some of that energy. Some of the best artwork or poems or songs, lyrics of all time have been from emotional turmoil, right? So being able to use, how can we use that emotional energy to create, to write, to paint, to draw, to exercise? It's okay to let your children in on that too. So that can be really helpful. If you've had any major losses in your life, what do you wish you could tell that person? How do you think they would respond? How, how would you let them know that you would remember them every day? It's painful. You'll probably cry. Let your kids in on that. We don't need to try to fix things and lecture things. You know, we just, we're always trying to have a quick fix. We've created this society of quick fix, quick fix. Oh, I've got a headache. Immediately take an Advil. I feel sore or I'm starting to feel anxious immediately take out of it. We're always looking for these quick fixes, but our emotions are part of the human experience. And so allowing our kiddos, allowing other important people in our life to be part of that healing process, that's going to help us 
That's going to help them model, and it's going to deepen our connections. So when we talk about anxiety, we talk about resilience, we need our children. Yes, they need to stretch beyond their comfort zone, but it starts with us, right? So whenever I do my presentations on resilience and anxiety, I have parents engage in lots of really, maybe for them, embarrassing activities throughout the course of a workshop. We're singing, we're dancing in front of everybody. And even the people at the front, they get a chance because we're going to do like the Macarena all the way around. So everybody gets to see everybody at some point, at some angle, right? If we ever hope for our children to learn and to grow and to push the limits, we need to face our own fears and stretch beyond our comfort zones too. That's an important part of modeling. So we're modeling our vulnerability, our emotional literacy, talking about our emotions, but also doing things that are beyond our comfort zone. So whenever you're faced with something uncomfortable, look at that situation as an opportunity. Yes. Thank you for showing up fear or embarrassment or awkwardness. Now I have the chance to grow my resilience brain and I get to model for my kids how to be brave, even though I feel super awkward. We need to avoid avoidance. Avoidance behaviors, that's the number one contributor to developing anxiety, right? So when we're looking at at disorders, that's a huge contributor. Avoidance interferes with our ability to process, to manage all of those emotions, to be able to cope, right? To come to terms with our emotions. Avoidance only worsens stress, worsens anxiety. So even just thinking of the daily tasks, things that you hate doing that you totally put off procrastinate. Avoidance only makes our stress and our fears worse and that anxiety worse. Being brave means being scared and doing it anyways, right? So think of your successes, pushing past your comfort zones in the past. How have you handled that? How can you apply your courage now to other situations that you're facing? How can you model that bravery? You can talk about all of these situations. This is part of the modeling, our vulnerability on the one hand, but our bravery and how we're coping on the other, right? So showing your vulnerability and your fears and how you're going to step into that discomfort. So important because all of these things are the first step, because if we're never talking to our children, we're never showing them that we're doing it ourselves. They're never going to learn how to do it for themselves. If we're only ever talking to them in one ear and out the other, but if they see all the time, we're creating that environment, they're going to learn, right? So that's going to be really important. So I'll leave it there for today. There's lots of things to think about. Once we can manage our own stress, which I've talked about and our emotions and be in the space to co-regulate, you know, we, then we can start targeting all of that. So talking about co-regulation, what that looks like, what that looks like for each child, depending on where your child is at or your teen and going into specific targets for the children themselves is all going to be part of the skill building series. So be sure to keep following along because this is one piece and I'm building on each of the pieces of how we can be co-regulators and emotion regulators and managing that. And then going to the kids stresses, like the kids stressors and the kids skills, because that's going to be really important. But for this week, I'm trying to give you guys a homework task each week to to focus on or with your clients or for yourself, if you're a parent for this week, really look for those opportunities. Where can you start modeling your own vulnerability and where can you start stretching beyond your own comfort zones? So thank you for joining me today. 
I love having you guys all here. Uh, make sure you subscribe, rate me, go to Apple and rate me just to keep me going. That would be fantastic. Um, if you want to work more with me, if you're a mental health professional or educator, of course, I've got my group consultation opportunities. I've got my workshops. I've got a mastery training workshop for professionals. I have my anxiety mastery training program for parents. And it's not just anxiety. It's all emotion regulation, even though, we, you know, we will use the word anxiety, but it's good for for all emotions. And can you can definitely check all of that out. So uh, goodbye for today. Help those anxious kiddos be bold and courageous. And I will see you next week.